Hi, I'm Pastor David Jones. Welcome to my sermon archives. For more audio sermons, books, blog posts, and other goodies, visit www.pastordavidwentz.com. That's spelled W-E-N-T-Z. And follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn. I pray God speaks to you as you listen. We are in the eighth week of our sermon series on pictures of the church. And we are in the second of four weeks using basically the same key verse, 1 Peter 2.9, in which Peter uses four different illustrations of the church. Last week we looked at uh, the fact that he said we are a chosen people, and we talked about that. And this week uh, we're focusing on the fact that you are royal priests. So for our memory verse each week, we are doing the same one, but we're only mentioning one of those four each week. And we're giving the purpose for it that he says in the second half of the verse. So if you would repeat after me our memory verse this morning, 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. You are royal priests. You are royal priests. You can show others the goodness of God. You can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. 1 Peter 2.9 So royal priests, that's an interesting phrase and it's Helpful to know, to understand that, that in the Old Testament, priests were from the tribe of Levi, and kings were from the tribe of Judah. If you were descended from the tribe of Levi, and it came down through your father's descent, so you could only be from uh, considered, counted as being from one tribe at a time. Uh, even though through your mother and your grandmother and all of that, the, there were probably lots of mixtures, but you were considered a member of the tribe that came down through your father's lineage. So the priests were from the tribe of Levi. The kings were from the tribe of Judah. There was no such thing as a royal priest in the Old Testament. In fact, uh, King Saul, when he tried to take on the role of a priest by offering a sacrifice as king, got in all kinds of trouble. And that's one of the main things, uh, kind of the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of him losing the crown to, to David. But Jesus initiated a new priesthood. And we are part of that. We are royal priests. Our job is to be a priest. That's one part of our job description as the church. Our job is to be a priest, but our identity is children of the king. You and I are royalty, divine spiritual royalty adopted into the family of God. So our job is to be a priest. Our identity is children of the king. And we've talked uh, before, I think we talked a few weeks ago about the church as God's family 
So today I want to focus on the other part of that, the priesthood. Uh, Some translations say you are a royal priesthood, uh, which is a more literal translation. And the emphasis there is that, as I mentioned before, he's not talking to individuals so much as to the church. We together, as a church, constitute an order of priests, a group of priests, the royal priesthood. Like in the Catholic Church, they have the Jesuits and they have the Dominicans and they have, you know, the various other different kinds of things, orders of priests. We are a royal, the whole church, uh, including those, but uh, the everyone who believes in Jesus is a, uh, a new order of priesthood in Jesus. So what does it mean to be a priest? Well, the role of a priest is uh, twofold. A priest stands between people who don't know God and God. The priest stands between the people and God. And the purpose of the priest, and let me say, in some religions, uh, some understandings, it doesn't have to be people who don't know God. In our understanding because we are all royal priests, everyone who knows God through Jesus is a priest. The only other people for us to be representing are those that don't know God. But the role of a priest is to stand between God and the people, to represent the people to God, and to represent God to the people. So what does it mean to represent the people to God? Well, that basically means to pray. The type of prayer known as intercession. There are a number of kinds of prayer. There's praise, there's thanksgiving, there's confession, there is uh, supplication, which is asking uh, for things that you personally need, and there is intercession, which is praying on behalf of other people, asking God to bless other people, to grant uh, whatever they need to other people. And so that is what we are called to do as priests, to intercede for other people with God, to ask God to bless them, to provide what they need. In our first reading, we have an invitation from God to this kind of priestly role, to this kind of intercession. Solomon has finished building the temple. Up until this time, God had met with people in a tent in the tabernacle with Moses. They'd been in the the, uh, promised land for, I think it was like 400 years now, and have built themselves houses and and, uh, all kinds of things, but they have never built a, a stone building, anything other than the tent for worshiping God. They they still have the, the tabernacle, the tent there. And so when King David united the kingdom and, and uh, brought peace, his vision was, it's time now to build 
a building. You know, we're all living in stone houses. It's time to give God a stone house to live among us. And Solomon, his son, is the one who carried that out and built it. And now it has been dedicated in 2 Chronicles 6. And in 2 Chronicles 7, it says Solomon finished the temple. He completed everything that he planned to do. And then one night, the Lord appeared to Solomon. And he said, I have heard your prayer and chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. Now, it's interesting that Solomon built this. He built it at the direction of God, what what God told King David to do. And he built it. But then when he finished it, he prayed that God would accept it and receive it. And it would be acceptable to God. You know, he didn't mess up, didn't do anything wrong. Or if he did, that God would overlook it and that he would accept this. And so now God appears and says, I have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. And then he goes on and he says something that I think is very interesting in the times we're living in. He says, at times, God speaking, he says, at times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls. Or command grasshoppers to devour your crops. And that's going on in uh, Eastern Africa right now. And there are places where there's drought right now. Or send plagues among you. At times, God says, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Now, I am not going to speculate as to whether this uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, is a plague that God has sent among us according to this passage because I think there are other places where uh, plagues and things happen that uh, are not specifically from God. So I'm not going to go there. We're not going there, but what happens is if we are in that situation, that's what he's saying, then, verse 14, then refers back to when you're in one of these situations, then if my people who are called by my name, well, that's us. We saw last week that we are a chosen people. We are called Christians, which literally means little Christs. So this is talking to us. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, And that means we don't pretend we have all the answers. We don't pretend that we are doing God a favor. We don't pretend that we can handle it ourselves and we don't need to to bother God. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. And again, he's talking to his people. He's not saying if those people out in the world, if all of those sinners will humble themselves. He's saying if my people, will humble themselves and pray. The intercessory role of the priesthood and seek my face. That means not just pray as a a, a ritual or a rote or something you automatically kind of go through, but actually seek God's face. Seek God's presence. Seek 
the knowledge that God is there with us and speaking to us and hearing us. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Again, the world is not going to turn from its wicked ways until they have a reason, until they hear about Jesus, until they decide to come to God. But he's saying, my people, there are wicked ways among some of my people. And it may be individuals, it may be groups, it may be whoever. But he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and you have to humble yourself to acknowledge, to even ask God to show you if anything I'm doing, anything our group is doing, is considered a wicked way in God's sight. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways to God's ways. Then if we fulfill those conditions as God's people, as the royal priest, then he says, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. We, uh, he goes on, he says, My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place, for I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. I believe the second sermon in our series of pictures of the church says that we, the church, are the temple of God. So these promises that God makes to Solomon regarding that temple apply now to us, the church, as the temple. So it's kind of a, a confusing dual role here. We're the priests serving in the temple and at the same time we are the temple. But the point is, God is going to hear us if we pray for our nation, when we're in times of trouble, if we pray for our world, if we pray for our community, if we pray for our church, when we pray, God will hear it. The second part of being a priest is representing God to the people. Speaking for God to the people. And that kind of breaks down into two parts. First, uh, proclamation which is telling people God's eternal principles from the Bible. Telling the world God's truth. Telling the world, here is who God is, here is what He says, here is the good news of Jesus Christ. And this comes about through the ministry of the church. It comes about also through personal witness through each one of us who are the church, telling people personally and individually what God has done for us, what God wants to do for them. So proclamation, telling God's eternal principles from the Bible. And the second one is what we saw in the second reading. Now up until the time of the day of Pentecost, which is coming up, in just a few weeks, the Holy Spirit was 
just shared uh, with very few people at any one time on the earth and uh, came upon people for power, for uh, special abilities to do things, but not within people. Jesus had the Holy Spirit within him fully and completely, and that's why he was able to do all the things that he did on earth, because when he left heaven, he left behind all the powers and prerogatives of being God. But uh, when he was baptized, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and that was how he was able to do his miracles. But then he said in John 14, 12, when I go up to heaven, you all are going to do the same things that I did and greater things. He said, everyone who believes in me will do the same things I did and greater things because I'm going up to heaven. And uh, he went on to say uh, in the same conversation that when he went to heaven, he would send the Holy Spirit on all of us. So 10 days after he did go up into heaven, he had told the apostles and the followers don't leave Jerusalem and try to do anything until you receive this power that uh, I am... Okay, I was hearing a bunch of static and stuff. All right. Don't, re don't try to do anything until you receive this power. And so on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and uh, the 120 that were there were filled with the Holy Spirit and started speaking the praises of God in... Uh, languages they didn't even know, and it gathered a big crowd. And Peter says in our first uh, reading, this is the fulfillment of the prophecy that Joel made 500 years ago. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. And so he, uh, he says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people in the last days. And, and Joel says, this is it. So that means ever since then, we've been in the last days. Uh, the people say, are these the last days? Yeah, and it has been for 2,000 years. And all we know is we're closer than it's ever been to when Jesus comes back. But in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Not just prophets and priests and kings, but all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. And they will prophesy. So he's saying that part of the Holy Spirit coming upon us is the ability to prophesy. Now, what does that mean, to prophesy? Well, it doesn't necessarily mean, and, and, and uh, New Testament Christianity usually does not mean predicting the future. So, having a gift of prophecy doesn't mean you're going to make a killing in the stock market or the horse races. It's uh, prophecy is sharing a current word of the Lord that applies his eternal principles to specific situations. You're praying, 
you're uh, sleeping and you get a dream, you see a vision, whatever it is that might happen and, and you feel like the Lord has told you something that relates to a situation uh, for somebody else. If it's for your own life, then we just call that guidance. But if it's for somebody else to share with somebody else, then that is what we refer to as prophecy. And there are differences between Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy. Uh, and I'm not going to go into all of that. But the point is, representing God to the people, we have the responsibility for giving, sharing the, the eternal truths of the Bible, but also what we believe God is telling us about how that applies uh, to a certain situation, and especially not if it's just, I've been studying the Bible and I think this is what it means, but if you really feel like this is a word from the Lord, that the Lord gave you, and then the Bible says uh, in the New Testament that's not uh, infallible, you should check it out with somebody else, uh, prophets, people who know how to do this should, should uh, check with each other. But the point is that Joel says, and then Peter says, this is the fulfillment of Joel. So nowadays for us in the church age, men, women, young and old, every Christian should know how to do this, should be able to carry out this part of the priestly role. So how are we to be priests during the situation we're in right now? How do you pray for the world in a pandemic? Well, I think there are a number of things. First, you pray whatever it is you feel like God is leading you to pray. But we need specifically to pray for people to be drawn to God through Jesus Christ. Because that is always the most important thing we can pray about anything because that is eternal. Everything else that happens is related to this life and still important because God loves us. God thought this life was important enough that Jesus came into it and took this life on himself. But the most important thing by far is the eternal. So first we pray that God would use and through us would use what is happening in the world today for people to be drawn to God through Jesus. We need to pray, of course, for the sick to be healed, for the bereaved to be comforted, for the hungry to be fed. So many people that can't uh, get out to work and therefore can't uh, get any money to uh, buy food for themselves. There are people around the world who, uh, in America as well, but especially a lot of people around the world who just have no reserves of money or food and and are literally going hungry. And we need to pray for leaders to be wise. 1 Timothy 2, 1-4, the Apostle Paul writes, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. That's the priestly role of the church. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Then he goes on in verse 2, Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives, 
marked by godliness and dignity. And he goes on and says, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So pray wisdom for our leaders in making the decisions that they have the authority to make that affect all the rest of us. Pray for the medical people, doctors, nurses, uh, those that are caring, uh, that are working so many hours, the emergency responders. Pray for them to be strong. Pray for scientists to be inspired. And pray for this to be over soon. So that's how we fulfill that part, the prayer part, the intercession part of the priestly role in a pandemic. The second part, how do we proclaim the eternal truths of the Bible, the eternal truths of God in this time? Well, the same way we always do, with love instead of judgment. Ephesians 4.15 says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. With gentleness instead of harshness. 1 Peter 3.15 and 16 says, If someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. And with boldness instead of timidity. Now, that doesn't mean you're not you're having butterflies inside or even shaking in your boots. The Apostle Paul said, I come to you with, I speak to you with fear and trembling. But still, boldness is going ahead in spite of that. Acts 4.29, the Apostles prayed, Now, Lord, give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. How do we speak forth a current word, a word of uh, what the New Testament calls prophecy. Well, first, recognize it. If something, if you're praying for somebody and uh, some situation and something comes into your mind and you say, where did that come from? Maybe God's answering your prayer by telling you something. If you say, was that me or, or was that God or was that some, some other source? Well, if it lines up with the Bible, it's not the devil. So you don't need to worry about that. So that just leaves, is it me or God? And if you say, is that something that I normally would think of? Is that one of my pet answers and one of the things I always go to? Or is that kind of a new idea for me? If it's kind of a new thing, then maybe it's God. And then how do you share it? Well, we generally don't come to somebody and say, Thus saith the Lord, you have to do such and so. What you might do is, is you say, you know, I was praying about you and I, I felt like God was saying such and such. Does that make sense? So you're not telling somebody, you're sharing with gentleness and respect. You, we as the church, are royal priests. And as such, we need to pray, we need to proclaim, we need to share what we hear God saying, and remember whatever happens, you are a royal priest, you are a child of God. Let's say our key verse 
our memory verse together. 1 Peter 2.9 1 Peter 2.9 You are royal priests. You are royal priests. You can show others the goodness of God. You can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. First Peter two nine. First Peter two nine. Amen. listening to this sermon. I pray it blessed you. Again, I'm Pastor David Wentz, and for more audio sermons, books, blog posts, and other goodies, please visit www.pastordavidwentz.com. That's spelled W-E-N-T-Z. And follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn. May God bless you as we do Christianity together. See you next time.